Our Bible passage is taken from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though a war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in, this, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his, creed, of, of his sacred tent and, sent, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my Savior, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your ways, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of your oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's God's word. Well, good morning. Let me pray. A great God and Father, what a strange gathering this is, but not unknown to you. We thank you that in this time of crisis, you knew and indeed planned its duration, its intensity, uh, how it would affect our nation, our city, our world. And Father, in all this, you have good plans for your people, and we can trust you. Deepen our trust in you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, it's very natural that this week we have a mixture of feelings and emotions. I think chiefly for most of this week, I felt sad. Uh, sad about just not physically seeing people, not meeting up with the church family. There is no one here as I address this room. Uh, I feel sad. Sad about what it means for uh, those who've lost work already those who've been made redundant, those whose work is completely dried up and they know there's not going to be anything for the next few months. Sad for those who are medics as they brace themselves for the onslaught that they know is coming. I feel sad. And then less worthy, I'm sure you're the same, less worthy emotions, irritability, uh, working from home with the family all around, uh, everyone making noise, everyone trying to chat into their conference calls and cooped up. Uh, I have a renewed sympathy for Anne Frank in her situation, uh, much worse than ours. Bewilderment. Why are people 
acting like that in the supermarkets? Why has everyone gone so crazy? And then despite myself, a bit of anxiety, of course, I say to myself, I trust in the Lord, I'm not going to be anxious, and yet then you just feel your body tensing up a little bit. Uh, You make irrational decisions, must buy this on Amazon quickly, whatever it may be, uh, signs of stress. And Psalm 27 speaks to our anxiety and our fears. And David says, I shall not fear. We're just going to work through the psalm, four little chunks already. But David says, I shall not fear. First, I shall not fear even when overwhelmed, verses 1 to 3. Three times in these verses, David describes his fear. So verse 1, whom shall I fear? Verse 1, I'll not be afraid. Verse 3, my heart will not fear. And yet he has plenty of reasons to be afraid. You see all the language of opposition in these first few verses. So verse 2, the wicked advance. Uh, Verse 2, enemies, foes. Verse 3, an army besieges. Verse 3, war breaks out. Now, we're not given details at the beginning of this psalm about precisely when this is in David's life, but it seems as if literally he's facing an army, although the language later on, verses 12 and 13, is mainly of the courtroom. But for us, this language is now familiar as the Prime Minister talks repeatedly about war, this war we face, and we feel besieged in our homes, in our houses. It's familiar language. Well, when David feels overwhelmed by those things, that's when he says, I will not fear. Uh, Verse 1, these two Lines are parallel, as they often are in the Psalms, in the poetry. They're they're saying the same thing in slightly different ways. So, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So, my light and my salvation, he is my stronghold. They're they're pictures of the same thing. That's who God is. Uh, And so, I've been dwelling on stronghold, or you translate it fortress, or impregnable rock. That's who God is. And I've been thinking, Uluru, Ayers Rock, ancient, massive. I've not climbed it. Uh, you're not meant to. Uh, but I stood next to it. Vast, reliable, secure, solid. Or, or closer to home. I've climbed many times Haytor uh, in the middle of Dartmoor. It's uh, a place where we go sometimes as a family when we visit in-laws. And again, you can clamber up it. It's big. <laughs> it stands out in the middle of the moor. And if the moor were flooded, you're there. Uh, and the rock beneath your feet, it's, it's not going anywhere. God is a stronghold. David says, I... I know who you are, Lord. I know how dependable you are. And so I'm confident, verses 2 and 3. Again, parallel. Uh, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I'm confident. Now I'm struck reading these that David asks himself questions. Maybe that's a very good thing to do. 
for us right now. It's uh, good enough for Paul also in the New Testament. Uh, Many of us midweek would have looked at Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 and following. Of course, Paul asks himself or asks a number of questions there. If God is for us, who can be against us? What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. No one. So perhaps asking questions is a good thing. There's certainly a time and a place in the Christian life to address ourselves, to say these things out loud. Actually, let me list the fears I have at the moment. I did that this week. Actually, I was surprised the list was much shorter than I expected. There's this unconscious, underlying anxiety, but list it out. Lord, what's the worst that can happen? I can trust you. Sometimes we need to speak to ourselves. So David says, I shall not fear even when overwhelmed, verses 1 to 3. I shall not fear, but secondly, I'll seek the Lord, verses 4 to 6. Striking that when he's surrounded by enemies, David's first prayer is not, uh, destroy them, Lord, smash them, Lord, take them away, Lord, or, or, or deliver me, Lord, but rather, verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze, to seek. David says, actually, what I need when I'm feeling overwhelmed is, it's you, Lord. Yet these three, does it remind you, Father, before I forget, does it remind you of, of Jesus in um, Luke chapter 10? Martha, flustered, panicking. Martha, one thing is needed, to sit at my feet. One thing I need, says David to be with you, to dwell with you. Actually, again, there's three parallel requests here. I want to dwell, I want to gaze, I want to seek, says David. Let me take them in turn. Uh, First, then, in verse 4, one thing I ask, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Not that he literally thinks, well, I best get my sleeping bag and my roll mat and, and, and move in and, and, and sleep in the tabernacle. Not literally, he's not allowed to, he's not a Levite, but I want to be in your presence, Lord. I want to listen to you. I want to dwell with you. I want to remind myself who you are. I, I want to take your character, your omniscience that you know all things and have planned all things that's of comfort to me now your your omnipotence that you can do all things that you're wonderfully good you define goodness that you're holy and perfect in all of your ways i want to take all different attributes and, and think on them until i am comforted i want to as one writer put it uh, i want every attribute of god to be a fresh ray in the sunlight of my, of my joy i want them to change me I want the knowledge of who you are, Lord, to change me. I need to dwell upon you. I've got to do that right now. I want to dwell. And secondly, he says, I I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Well, how do you do that when he's invisible? Difficult. The only other occurrence in the Psalms of beauty is Psalm 90 and verse 17. May the beauty of the Lord rest upon us, establish the work of our hands. So I think the beauty of the Lord is his beautiful intentions for his people. 
the delightful way he acts for his people. David is saying, I I want to dwell upon the beautiful plans you have for me. Now, I I want to recognize you have good plans for me now, even in the midst of a bizarre virus Uh, and in eternity. I want to dwell on what God has in store for me. I want to dwell upon the beauty of his plans for me. I want to, as it were, I want my faith to take me by the hand and make me look at the uh, glorious mansion that Jesus has planned for me in eternity, the sumptuous palace which I will live in with him and be with him and reign with him. I want faith to take me and make me look at those things. I want to gaze upon his beautiful plans for me. And then the third, I want to seek you. Verse 4, I want to seek him in his temple. It's a different word from verse 4. It has more of a sense of inquire. In the Old Testament, when David had a difficult question, he would inquire of the Urim and Thummim. No one quite knows what they are, but you'd go to the high priest if you had a difficult question, and he'd inquire. So I think it has a sense here of, teach me what to do, Lord. It's similar to verse 11, teach me your way. You put together these three, and David says, when I'm overwhelmed, I'm going to seek you, Lord. And what does that mean? I want to dwell with you and who you are. I want to gaze upon your beautiful intentions for your people. You have good plans in store for us. I want to seek guidance on how to live. I want you to shape me. Now, none of those are very surprising, are they? I want to dwell upon who the Lord is, dwell upon his plans for his people, good, beautiful plans, and say, shape me, Lord, guide me to be like you. But that is what we need. David does these things. And then verse 5, he knows from experience, I guess, what God does. Verse 5, in the day of trouble, he'll, again, three parallel pictures. He'll keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. He'll set me high upon a rock. Uh, And verse 6, here is what David expects. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I'll sacrifice with shouts of joy. He's confident. His confidence has come. It's, it's there. It's clear. Uh, um, for us. Well, again, we ask those questions, the Romans 8 questions. Yes, I am confident even now that God has good plans and is working for my good. I am supremely confident that in eternity, this is our future. We will shout for joy. And so really these first six verses of Psalm 27, David has addressed himself. He's taken himself in hand and said, "Uh, look, I'm overwhelmed, but I will not fear. I look at the Lord. I look at who he is. I look at his plans for me and I will confidently sing for joy. And that will be a perfectly good psalm. But then we get verses 7 to 12, thirdly. So I shall not fear, even when overwhelmed, one to three, but I'll seek the Lord, four to six. But verses seven to twelve, I'll pray even when faith wavers. Because here all of a sudden, the the joyful delight of verse six, it gives way to 
alarm in verse 7 to 12. And so some write, well, this is probably two psalms that have got scrunched together. Well, that's obviously silly. The vocab is the same. He's seeking in verse 4. He's seeking in verse 8. He's confident in verse 3. He's confident in verse 13. But there is a difference here. There's a sense of alarm. Verse 7. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me. Answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Don't reject me or or, or forsake me, God my Savior. Well, what's happened? I mean, possible. There's been further trouble. But I think more likely, given the way the psalm ends, there's just been no answer to his prayer. And so he's prayed and he's resolved and he's confident, verses 1 to 6. But then, verse 7, nothing's happened, Lord. And that's one of the reasons I love this psalm. I think it's so real, so human, so honest. As Christians, we can say, my heart will not fear, but the next day we feel full of fear. And many of us will flit a little at the moment. Some have said, of course, this week in tears, my parents have underlying health conditions. They're isolated. I don't know if I'll ever see them again in the flesh. That's very sad. Profoundly so. And those in the healthcare profession going off to work or, or family saying goodbye each day as they go off to work, hard not to be a little anxious and worried. And David says here, I'm seeking you again, Lord. I need to come back to you and ask again. And so confidence begins to creep back in. I think verse 10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. I want to live rightly. Verse 12, don't hand me over to the desire of my foes. I find enormous comfort in this picture of a confident believer wavering a little but refining his confidence as he seeks the Lord again. I recognize that. I find even more comfort in knowing that this was a psalm undoubtedly that Jesus prayed. Jesus as the ultimate messianic king of God's people of whom David is just the trailer, the shadow. Because you read this psalm and of course it's describing Jesus as well. He knew the wicked advance against him, trying to devour him. He knew false witnesses rise up against him, spouting malicious accusations and yet he trusted his father. I find it very easy to read verses 7 to 12 
as a prayer that Jesus could have been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he says to his disciples when he goes into the garden and prays, my, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Well, verses 7 to 12 have that feel to it. And yet, of course, ultimately Jesus prayed verses 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. All the verbs there, it's all singular. The use, the verbs. David is addressing himself. Jesus would have said that himself. As we read him saying in Luke 23 on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's the same confidence as here at the moment that Jesus died. And so knowing that, knowing that, you and I say, I will wait for the Lord, verses 13 and 14. You and I can say, I still believe you're good, Lord. I want to dwell upon your beautiful plans, your intentions for me. I'll see your goodness displayed in many ways now in this land of the living, but ultimately in the next land. And so I'll wait. Verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This crisis may go on three months, if we're blessed, I guess, six months, perhaps medium term, maybe longer. We will do a lot of waiting on the Lord. And it's an expression of our faith. But we will say, be strong, because Jesus will give us that strength. We'll stand on the stronghold, the solid rock that the Lord is, and we will seek him. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Let me lead us in a prayer. Our great God and Father, your word is so real and honest and true. And it is precisely what we need. Father, we thank you here for David's testimony. Here foreshadowing that of the Lord Jesus Christ, recalling that at times he was overwhelmed and yet did not fear. Father, we pray for ourselves that we would not be shocked as this virus spreads throughout our city, country, world, but we would seek you. We would stand firm upon you. We would dwell in your goodness. We would dwell upon your good plans for us. We would seek to be shaped by you, knowing that Jesus has gone ahead of us and therefore our confidence in the one who died but has risen again to see life. He will take us home. He will give us the strength we need even now. Father, would your word deepen our confidence in you even in these times we pray. Amen.